Hi everyone and welcome to HR Sound Off, the show created to talk about HR with who better than people in HR. We're going to talk about different topics and we're also going to talk about the many misconceptions that kind of irritate us that people have about our function and what we do. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Introverted but outspoken. Highly structured but a creative at heart. Seeming contradictions that might be used to describe Shane Howell. Shane believes that life's experiences and his early childhood have inculcated a genuine respect for every person he meets, but also opened up his mind on the power of thought, discipline, and the potential of people. The current Chief Operations Officer at Profiles Caribbean and a former HR and training manager within the energy, telecommunications, and hospitality sectors, has a fundamental belief that too many persons fail to unleash their true potential and that most organizations underperform because they fail to unearth the depths of their human reserves. Claiming to be multilingual, Shane speaks human resource management, operations, and strategy. Shane's first degree was in psychology at the University of the West Indies Cave Hill campus and then pursued a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology with the University of London Burbeck College. He is also an SHRM senior certified professional and holds several certifications as a practitioner in emotional intelligence, personality and other coaching and developmental tools. Past president of the Human Resource Association of Barbados, also known as HERMAP, Shane has led various interventions in organizations regarding teamwork, culture building, among others. He is also a guest facilitator at the University of the West Indies Cavill Campus and UWI Open Campus, speaking on topics of HR and supervisory management. His guiding principle, success is not the culmination of effort, but a respite in the process of growth, underlines his views on his personal development. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Shane Howell. In 2016, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, found that 72% of HR managers were women. In 2017, PayScale.com reported that a whopping 86% of HR generalists were women. So great is women's presence in the field that John Sumser, a principal analyst for the blog HR Examiner, famously proclaimed that HR is a 47-year-old white woman. That I am not, people. But what exactly is the cause of this dramatic gulf between men and women working in human resources? Here to discuss this topic with me today is Shane Howell. Shane, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell us a bit about your HR story, Shane. How did you get here? Okay, um, how did I get here? I think it's really about two journeys that more or less kind of coalesce that converge mm-hmm. essentially okay um when i f- when i was in school i was actually on an accounting path ah. or a graphic arts path really and i remember that i was kind of struggling to make a decision and i was chatting with a friend of mine at the time and again struggling to, to pick what degree to do and mm-hmm. she said shane you know you listen really well and you give good advice and i thought okay cool and she said wait what you do something in that space. So from there, I just kind of started doing some research and psychology popped up. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at psychology, I recognized the breadth of it. 
But my challenge with psychology is it didn't allow me to get richly into business. And I had a passion for business, hence the accountant and so right. on. Okay. So, again, when I looked at it, I recognized that HR was a branch that I could possibly go in. Mm-hmm. So that started the movement. The other thing that really influenced my decision is that the way that I came up, as in um, raised by my parents and the area, that I, the community that I came up in, there were a lot of people around me with a lot of talent. But they didn't have the support structures. In some cases, they didn't necessarily have the people that believed in them in the way that my parents kind of gave me that support. Right. Um, and I recognized that there were so many persons out there that had talent, that had potential, mm-hmm. but they missed that, that support. And I recognized how important that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that kind of quiet commitment from then to help people realize their potential. Mm-hmm. So I think both of those influences kind of caused me to, to really look at HR as an opportunity to satisfy that business that business need, but at the same time pulling people along, helping persons to realize their own potential, their own truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I would say that that's, that's really it. That's how, that's how you got here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's your current, tell us a bit about your current role. Colonel. What are you doing now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm working at a consultancy firm. Um, some might call it a, boot- a boutique HR consultancy. Okay. We're a small firm, about uh, five of us. Okay. Um, and the name of it is Profiles Caribbean, primarily known for recruitment and uh, psychometric assessments. Right. But we do other areas, training, uh, consulting, and so on. Okay. Um, my role is Chief Operations Officer, which means I do a bit of everything. Yes. Um, but my primary space is really in training, and um, consulting. Okay. So yeah, as the COO, it's really just working closely with the CEO, working closely with the team to see how we can continue to grow the business and by extension, how we can help to grow our customers, mm-hmm. our clients, yes. by helping them with their, their people-related decisions. Okay. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so I've looked at the data, especially mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and what I noticed is that there are over 11 million HR people listed on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Of those 11 million people, 1,800 are in Barbados. Mm-hmm. Of those 1,800, we're getting narrowing it down, mm-hmm. right? Just a little over 30 of them are men. Why? Okay. <laughs> so why do you believe there are so few men in the HR profession, particularly in the Caribbean? Okay. Well, the statistics are, the statistics are always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be able to deep dive further because they know that there are a few more of us than that. <laughs> but uh, with that said, no, we know that there is a disproportionate quote-unquote representation um, women versus men in the practice. So if, if we think about the origin of HR, at least in Barbados, right. um, and maybe in the wider Caribbean as well, it really was born out largely of uh, an administrative professional maybe the executive assistant, Mm -hmm. secretary of the CEO, or whatever the case may be, who had responsibility for person's files. Yep. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Full stop. And now, again, playing kind of in that whole stereotypical space, those roles were oftentimes um, dominated or filled by by women. Yeah. So it kind of naturally became that when when they kind of made the HR role uh, a formal role, those, those females mm-hmm. became the HR person. Yes. Um, no, I do believe that there's some change 
that is, is happening now. Mm -hmm. But I also want to make the point that we've had men, and quite a few men, actively involved in HR for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just look at the, the Hermab experience, which is the Human Resource Management Association of Barbados, the first few presidents of the association were, were males. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that when I got into practice, my HR manager at the time was a male. Mm -hmm. Um, but he did make the point, Shane, you know, there aren't many of us in, in the practice. Right. But I think, yeah, again, because we still have the kind of legacy of a lot of persons who were administrative professionals that came across into the practice. Right. Um, and those were females. That, that has led to what we see in statistics now. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that will be borne out in the future um, or that will remain the same, right. we'll see. We'll see, mm -hmm. for sure. So, as I mentioned before, the HR analysts, um, John Sumser and how he showed the perception of, of HR. Um, he also argued that the essence of HR might be its ability to make clear judgments about really intangible things like personality, potential, and matchmaking. And, and these stereotypically are classified as female things. Well, what are your thoughts on that comment? My initial thought is that I would like to hear what he meant about matchmaking. But no, seriously, um, again, there's a lot of stereotypes behind even that statement. Yes. And if we, so let me, let me kind of approach that question slightly differently. Mm -hmm. If we somehow strip down what the HR practices is really, um, it is, I think, within any organization, it is the broadest profession that touches all areas of the business. Yes, it is. So there must be an understanding of finance. There must be an understanding of operations. There must be an understanding of, of sales and marketing. And the reality is, if you want to, again, maybe risk at the numbers, you have a larger presence of males in finance. You have a larger presence of males in maybe in operations. Mm -hmm. You have a good spread of males in sales and marketing and in all other aspects of the business. Right. And to my mind, any good HR practitioner understands the whole business. So for that reason, I think that it is a misconception that HR is, is not a, a profession for men. Right. Again, playing with any stereotypes yes. because they really don't think that you have male and female professions. Right. Um, with that said though, like I said at the very beginning, his, his point was a lot of persons look at HR as being that profession where you have to be empathetic and nice and, and, and I don't know, bubbly. Mm -hmm. um, kind of those things that we link with emotional intelligence and we always say that women are more emotionally intelligent than men mm -hmm. and, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it is looked at as a quote-unquote softer type of profession right. and that requires a set of skills that males don't have. And I disagree. I think there's an excuse to think that men should not be emotionally intelligent mm -hmm. and that men should or cannot be empathetic. Um, but again, I think those stereotypes have influenced uh, maybe who've who have gravitated towards the field. Right. But in reality, the practice requires a lot more mm -hmm. um, than that, a lot more than um, would have been quoted. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Definitely. I, I have to agree with you there. And you made the point earlier about as the profession makes changes, mm -hmm. these things could possibly, the statistics may very well flip. Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I, I've seen 
um, a shift in HR is that we're now becoming more data driven. We're becoming more technology focused. Mm -hmm. And as we start to do that, and it evolves, do you believe that more men will enter the field as a result of those changes? I think it's going to influence it. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing several other changes within the space, mm -hmm. generally speaking. Um, so for example, the fact that you now have, even locally, uh, HR degrees. Um, before again, as I said, it was kind of that practice that you almost happened into or mm -hmm. evolved into. Right. But now there is a formal route um, for persons to go through and to be trained in and to really identify many of the areas that I just mentioned mm -hmm. that you need to have an appreciation of to be an effective mm -hmm. HR practitioner. Right. But yes, definitely with, with some of those areas becoming more dominant and again, playing within the stereotypes, men, you know, <laughs> gravitating towards tech subjects yes. um, and so on. Yes, it may look a lot more appealing to men, um, the analyst function and so on. Mm -hmm. So yes, you might see more of it, but again, there's so much happening within the space and I think a lot more education within the space that person they think have a better appreciation mm -hmm. for, for what it is. Right, and as mm -hmm. those changes happen, what do you think we could do differently to, to draw males to the profession? I think visibility, I think, I think naturally people learn um, by modeling others. Mm -hmm. So if you have, and again I use the example of let's say Rihanna, for years we've had a creative industry um, but a lot of persons didn't think that they could be a star or an international star. Mm -hmm. And when Rihanna obviously blew it that she did, yeah. you had so many more persons now saying, hey, I could do it too. Similarly, I think the same thing in place for, for HR. I think if males, if more males or younger males or males coming into the practice are that interested, mm -hmm. start to see, oh wait, there are males in the practice and a form like this. Right. To hear that there are males involved in the practice, that in itself I think will help to bolster their own confidence to say, oh yeah, this is definitely something that I can really pursue. Mm -hmm. they're, all, they're more like me, yes. so to speak. Yeah. So I think that general modeling, um, that visibility for the practice, mm -hmm. I think that will help considerably. Mm -hmm. Okay, I definitely agree there. So you mentioned earlier that in your role at Profiles, um, you focus on training. What moved you to go into this particular field? Training. Um, I think largely, um, well, my original impetus to get into the practice, mm -hmm. again, helping people um, to realize their potential. Mm -hmm. So I think one of, when I look at my career, for example, one of my biggest highlights is that one of the companies that I worked with, um, working with my team, we developed a management development program. Now, an internal one. Okay. Now, within that environment, you didn't necessarily have a lot of persons uh, with formal degrees. In some cases, maybe may have left school earlier, whatever the case may be, but they had fantastic on-the-job experience and knowledge right. that they developed over time. Mm -hmm. And being able to develop a program that pulled them in and said, look, you can do this. You can become a manager, even if you don't have a master's degree in business. Mm -hmm. That, for me, was one of the biggest highlights mm -hmm. in my career. When I remember one of the persons coming through the program said, Shane, when I left school with no CXCs, and I had kids by whatever age, and persons thought that I was the enemy, I never fathomed that I could be a manager. Mm -hmm. And when I walk into that establishment, not when I see the person, mm -hmm. I'm literally overwhelmed. Right. I say that to, to go back to your question to say training gives or helps you to help persons realize their potential. Right. Because it isn't always teaching you skills, sometimes it's just reaffirming 
that a person can do something mm-hmm. or just fine tune it. Right. So that I think that more than anything else um, is what attracted me to the to the training function, mm-hmm. the training and development function. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what recommendations on that back end of that would mm-hmm. you would you make to HR people mm-hmm. or anyone thinking about coming into HR? Um, what plug would you give? When it comes to training specifically or HR as a practice? HR overall? as a practice mm-hmm. and the fact that there are other facets like training and development. Um, I would say know what it is that drives you. So for example, I've had friends and colleagues who've been in HR and from discussions and so on, every one of them admitted to me, Shane, you know what, I find that whenever, and they're no longer in the practice, they said whenever I make a decision, I recognize that it is it leans towards the corporate decision mm-hmm. almost always. And I don't think it's sufficiently balanced. And the reality is that as an HR practitioner, one of our primary functions is to be a people champion. Okay. But you can't do that at the sacrifice of the business. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to understand, one, what drives you. Two, to be determined to understand the business. And once you have that balance, and you can see opportunities for you to add to the, to the field mm-hmm. and to what you're doing for mm-hmm. the organization, it is one of the most pleasing feelings to see a business grow and to see people grow with it. Right. And in some cases, the people grow by stepping out of the business mm-hmm. and helping them to realize that, helping them to realize some things, okay, it's time for you to make that transition. Mm-hmm. But it can be one of the most fulfilling and rewarding practices uh, or professions, I yes. should say, out there. Yes, it's really just about knowing your direction and knowing your drive. Exactly. Yeah. So, from, you mentioned previously about the Human Resource Association of Barbados, HERMAP, mm-hmm. and I know that you've been a, an active member within the organization, played a very integral role. I know you've been the president of, of HERMAP. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the challenges that you face, especially now um, with different generations as they come through the function of HR to attract them to HERMAP? What are some of the challenges you face? Okay. Um, that's a that's an interesting question. There's so many variables that mm-hmm. play there. Um, I think one is the understanding of the practice. Um, again, some persons still honestly come in thinking as largely administrative and easy work. Um, not understanding again, some persons want to come into practice because they think I was never good at maths, so let me go into HR because you know what. You don't need to know maths or be good at numbers and finance. Mm-hmm. Which Nothing further from the truth. Yeah, you won't get very far. <laughs> yes. um, at the same time, too, I think that there are persons who come in and they're very eager. And the change that they want to realize is not necessarily something that can be re- realized overnight and then they get frustrated. Right. Um, so I think, and again, we, we know all the talk about this is kind of the instant gratification generation and mm-hmm. they want to see everything now mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. I mean, they get very frustrated with the politics of an organization mm-hmm. and, and all the things that you need to be cognizant of when you're trying to agitate for change and right. so on. Mm-hmm. So I think um, some of the challenges we see would be if if persons come and they don't see it the way that they want immediately, mm-hmm. they kind of start to get a little bit frustrated and then they may start to hang back. Mm-hmm. or when they come into the practice and they see the breath required and the amount of skills required um, that can also be challenging I think the other challenge for a lot of persons it's not very easy to get in HR because we don't have big HR departments right. you hear most practitioners say they have an HR department of one 
Mm-hmm. So it doesn't allow for a whole lot of space for persons to kind of get internships and so on. Right. So you get a blend of all of those kind of frustrations mm-hmm. when they come into organizations or they come into our professional body that right. is her um, it It starts to dissuade some person whether or not this is a particular course um, profession yeah. for them. Okay. I think a couple of a couple of those things. Yeah. You mentioned earlier also that when you started in your career, your boss was a man. Mm-hmm. You know, there are men, most men who are in HR positions are usually in very high leadership positions, director, VP. Mm-hmm. How can these people encourage women mm-hmm. um, as they create their paths to the C-suite? Exposure. Most of the depend, yeah. and again, let me let me qualify that. Um, I think one of the greatest opportunities for anyone, male or female, especially as a professional coming up, is an opportunity to be challenged and to do something in a space that is a bit risky. Right. Um, the risk reward can be significant. Mm-hmm. So I give you an example. Um, early in my career. The same uh, boss that I made mention of before, I remember that there was a project that we were working on and it would have had high visibility across the whole company, a pretty significant budget at the time. I was new. (laughs) And I remember that a presentation had to be made to the senior team. And I was working on it and I had given him the presentation. And my thinking was he was going to present, I was going to be there just kind of as the number two support. but really far down the support <laughs> don't say anything go mm-hmm. in the boardroom and be quiet and I remember outside of the boardroom he said you know are you ready and I was like well I don't need to do much so I'm cool he said no you're making the presentation and I can't describe the anxiety that I had <laughs> I can imagine I would encourage <clears throat> sorry I would encourage anybody to replicate it just that way <laughs> Preparation would be fantastic. fantastic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it gave me an opportunity to show the senior leadership what my vision was um, and what we could potentially do. Okay. That in itself put me on a trajectory <clears throat> that that team respected me a lot more mm-hmm. from then. Mm-hmm. I think equally for, for males who are in very senior positions, where there are projects, where there are high visibility um, engagements and so on. Right. Let your junior staff, again male or female, but you know, specifically ask about the females, mm-hmm. give them the opportunity to lead engagements um, and to, to liaise with persons across different departments mm-hmm. and so that they can prove themselves mm-hmm. and persons will judge them for what it is that they know and can do and not some other nebulous type Right. So I think that's one of the best ways to pull them along mm-hmm. and to give them those opportunities mm-hmm. more than anything else. I think I think that, that would help. Right. So it comes back more to inspirational leadership, mm-hmm. sort of just managing people and getting stuff out of them and then taking the glory. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you <clears> say <throat> the future looks like for men in HR overall? Overall? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's encouraging. I mean I so one of the things that I do, I, I speak at, at university and I open campus occasionally um, in their HR programs and I, I open campus their supervisory management program. And what I have seen, well, it's still disproportionate, we're seeing an increasing number of guys. Mm-hmm. At Herma, we started to see an increasing number of guys um, attending meetings. 
So it's showing me that you have persons who are interested, mm -hmm. you have persons who are pursuing courses. Right. So that in itself is encouraging. Mm -hmm. As you may mention, of um, the fact that there are other areas of, of HR that are developing right. that may attract more meals. Right. But I just think that this generation on a whole is starting to strip away those boundaries of what is for, for males and what for females. Right. And I think the, as the practice becomes more professionalized with certifications mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. degrees and training and so on, mm -hmm. I think that like any other profession, like the, like the medical practitioners and the attorneys and so on, you will have both uh, males and females gravitating towards it. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah, I think I, I do believe we'll see more guys coming out and, and making their presence felt in the HR space. So the future looks bright. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Definitely. What have you read recently that you believe HR people should be reading? Uh, there are a couple that come to mind, but I actually read you know, a lot more articles than necessarily um, books. books. Mm -hmm. But an uh, old one that I read when I was very young mm -hmm. and I read recently again because I was chatting with another practitioner mm -hmm. would be uh, Dale Carnegie how to win friends and influence people. people okay yeah mm -hmm. um, that I think because a core part of HR is getting that buy-in right and getting the buy-in at a, at a senior level mm -hmm. you often find that in many organizations the CEO looks to the right hand person, which is off the new CFO, right? Uh, for advice, if you can get them looking to the left hand side equally as much, mm -hmm. um, to the HR person Correct. for advice, yeah, I think that that is significant. And like I said, a big part of that is being able to influence um, through data, mm -hmm. through facts, and so on. And again, by showing that you have the vested interest of the business and you have the understanding of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, I think then you'll be taken more seriously. Right. If your contribution is limited to either only lobbying for employees mm -hmm. at the obvious detriment to the business, mm -hmm. you're not going to get that respect. I think if you can't speak about the business and understand your finances, you're not going to get that respect. Right. So I think by bringing together some of what Dale Carnegie uh, is kind of teaching you and then bringing that, that together with mm -hmm. your own business acumen, mm -hmm. I think that that, would, um, that I can contribute significantly. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. Mm. So what's next for Shane Howell? Mm. That's a big one, that's a hard one. I know, you've had a busy, <laughs> 2019. You've had a busy 2019 so far, mm -hmm. Shane. What's next? I think anything, so I, I believe profiles, mm -hmm. for one, I think we're going to be doing more, we're going to be doing bigger things. Um, currently we have a business-to-business -business model and I recognize that there's a lot of persons who reach out to us and by that I mean individuals um, within the community right. for advice and direction mm -hmm. and I think any opportunity that we have that can again assist persons to realize their futures is a big one for the business mm -hmm. uh, and again for me personally. Mm -hmm. uh, outside of that, I intend to continue with Karma and so on. But I think a, another thing will be to seek out opportunities that shape how HR is practiced in market is. Mm -hmm. um, I still believe, I was actually in a forum recently and uh, a friend of mine started to lambase 
um, HR professionals. Wow. I said that there are few, if any, good ones in Barbados. Wow. Um, and that was that was telling. Mm-hmm. So I think that anything that allows me to influence and as we said, further professionalize right. um, the space will be will be helpful. Right. So whether that be Again, let me not be too specific, mm-hmm. but influencing how the practice is viewed. Yes. Um, and giving a voice to HR professionals and helping us to elevate the level that we're at. Right. So, yeah, I don't want to be too specific, mm-hmm. but yeah, things that add to, to how we practice HR. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sheen. Your 30 minutes in the hot seat is complete. Oh, um, was nice and cool. Well, so, <laughs> Your um, last part will be to answer some questions from our guests. Mm-hmm. So, question for you How do I get leadership to listen to me? Uh, uh, read Dale Carnegie's book. But no, um, I think if you, if you, from an early stage within your time at the business, get into the belly of the business, so to speak, understand the operation. I would say that that's the first step. So you have persons who are kind of frightened, let's say that's a very industrialized type of environment. They're frightened to get out there and really do some of the work and so on. So understand the business. That's one of the first things. Understand finances. That's number two. But then once you're able to speak that language that the CEO speaks, they'll start to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of start to bring in all of the HR pieces and to integrate that language. But I think learn to speak their language, become, as I, as I said, even in my own way, become multilingual. Um, don't just speak HR, speak their language of business. I think that's mm-hmm. the most fundamental thing that you can do. Yeah, I think that's some powerful advice there, Sheen. Thanks for that. Next question. What is your biggest pet peeve that people do not appreciate about HR? That they do not appreciate. Can I, I want to say one? Um, <laughs> what is your biggest? The biggest one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think persons recognize how much HR professionals actually lobby for them. Yes. I don't think that persons appreciate that there are battles that we do fight. Um, some we win. Some we don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's taken for granted the ones that we win. Yes. And because we don't necessarily come out of the boardroom and say, you know, I tried to, to do this and, and they said no, and we don't go back saying what was said. Right. That person's saying that we didn't fight for them. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are a lot of HR practitioners out there that are trying to be the people champions. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, as some person would say, they thank this profession. Yes. Uh, and the true ones just keep plodding on and mm-hmm. keep working regardless of, mm-hmm. of that. But the really professional ones, you don't you don't know what they're doing because right. they will hold that to chest. Mm-hmm. They will not breach confidentiality and mm-hmm. so on. They will not gossip and exactly. get involved. Right. So I think that that is my biggest bet to you. If persons mm-hmm. don't understand what it is that really happens in this space, right. um, and give or use blanket statements to kind of you know paint uh, everybody with the same brush. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with that. It's one of the things, biggest things for me, and I say it all the time because, you know, as you rightly said, you sit in the rooms and you, you fight, you fight, you fight, you fight. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you come out with all the scuff marks mm-hmm. and the bruises. No one sees that because they don't understand what it takes to, to, to champion on their behalf. 
Sure. But that's um, something that hopefully in the future, I don't know how we change that, but yeah, I, I, I one thing at a time, time, one day yeah. at a time. That's Correct. the way I take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Shane. No problem. Really appreciate having you on our show today and Thanks touching time. this subject of men in HR. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks um, for having me. You're welcome. And we wish you all the best. Thank you. Okay. That's all we have time for in the sound booth today. Thank you for joining us on HR Sound Off. You can find me at Julie Turney 3 on Instagram, Julie Turney on LinkedIn, Julie Turney 2 on Twitter. If you have any questions that you want us to answer, drop us a line at hrsoundoff at gmail.com and we'll be sure to answer your questions within our shows. You can also find us on CastBox and SoundCloud for now. Thank you for tuning in and join us again when we next sound off.